Right, hi, good morning everyone. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Dave. You know, we're looking at the beatitude um, that, you know, blessed are the merciful. This is, of course, is the fifth beatitude we're going to be looking at. We're doing this series on the rock. We live in a world that really is in short supply of mercy. Mercy is in really short supply. If you look at social media at the moment, there's kind of a feeding frenzy around many issues. As soon as things come up, there's almost this feeding frenzy, whether it's you know the drought, whether it's uh, corruption things, whether it's uh, sandpaper and balls, you know, whatever it is, you know, there's this media frenzy where people are baying for blood and mercy is really in short supply. And we struggle to give mercy. It's difficult to give mercy in the, in the times that we live because I think we are impatient and we're fed up with the corruption we see. We're fed up with the, you know, the uh, misuse of funds. We're fed up uh, with never... Uh, winning a home series against the Aussies. And these things work, work at us and these things aggravate us so that when some foul play or when some incompetence is exposed or someone makes a big mistake, we get fed up with it. When we give to someone who misuses the funds, whether it's government or someone on the street, mercy is in short supply. Instead of Wanting to extend mercy, what we do is we want blood. We want people sorted out. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that desire in our hearts to see things sorted out and to see things changed. We can't fight the evil in this world with our own kind of, our own urges. We actually have to do it in God's way. These, these B attitudes are about kingdom culture. And kingdom culture is different from the culture we live in. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, dog-eat-dog dog world. You know, it's about mercy. And it's not easy, but I believe that God has called us to fight the evils of this world in a very specific way. And that's what we hear in the Beatitudes, which are, of course, kingdom culture, which challenge us to live in a way different from what we see in our society. So I just want to pray for us this morning, and then we'll get stuck into uh, my one-liner, which I'll actually quote verbatim today, because I might as well use the opportunity to quote word for word. But if you could just bow your heads with me, I'm going to pray for us this morning. Father, I, I just thank you for what you want to do here today, God. We want to find out your heart this morning. We want to really know your heart for mercy this morning. We want to be merciful, God, as you are merciful, and I thank you for the promise that you give, you know, with this kingdom value. And thank you for just open hearts this morning. Thank you for doing amazing things here. And that it won't just stop in this room, but it will impact the, our lives outside, but also many others outside. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool, so thank you. So without further ado, I will go to our main scripture, which is in, of course, Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 7, which says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I'll say it one more time just to draw it out a bit. Uh, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Quite a simple message, but so profound and so powerful with its implications. The first question you've got to ask, what is merciful? What does it mean? 
What is mercy? What does it mean to be merciful? I had this beautiful definition, and sorry, it's not on your slides, but there's a definition of mercy up there. Where, and this is a definition for a person that is merciful. And it says, a person, someone that's merciful is a person with the inherent quality to forgive or offer kindness or help in excess of what may be expected and determined by, and demanded by fairness. I'll read that again. A person with the inherent quality to forgive or offer kindness in excess of what may be um, of what may be expected or demanded by fairness. So we see that there's two aspects to mercy. Um, mercy is really, first of all, it's about forgiveness, to have mercy on someone, um, to pardon someone. And then the second aspect of mercy is to help someone who is in suffering, to change their position and alleviate that suffering. And the Greek word, I'm not going to try and say the Greek word and appear to be really clever. You guys can look it up afterwards. But it's not just a, a feeling. It's not just a feeling. It's actually, you know, there's, a, there's another word for that in the, in the Greek, which is compassion. You know, it's like a, you feel like a, a sickness in your bowels. But this word for mercy is something that causes you to take action. And whether that action is offering aid or whether it is pardoning someone, it is a doing word. And we also see that this idea of mercy is something that's not just something that is earned. It's something above and beyond what is expected or demanded. Now, Jesus loves to tell stories to make his point. And I think, you know, sometimes we, we put books into systematic theology, but I think Jesus knows that we remember stories so much more. And to further illustrate, for us to truly understand mercy and what it means to be, you know, blessed are the merciful, I want us to look at a parable that Jesus told, which is in Matthew 18. And you can turn there with me. It's in Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. It's also going to be up on the screen on about 20 slides because it's a bit of a... Um, it's, it's quite a bit of a passage, but I, I think it's important that I actually tell you the whole story because it beautifully illustrates exactly the way mercy operates. And I think that is our goal here this morning, to understand what Jesus was teaching. So I'm going to start reading from Matthew 18, verse 21. And you can follow up there or on your device or in your uh, old school paper Bible. Um, then Peter came came up and said to him, which is obviously Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. That doesn't mean it runs out at 77. Some verses say seven, seven times uh, 77. And he's just basically using, basically meaning unending. Therefore, and this is what Jesus says to Peter. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who, who owed him 10,000 talents. And that's basically like a, a, a huge fortune, probably millions in today's terms. And since he could not pay, 
his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of the fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is literally like 20 rand. It's a very small amount. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with me, pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers that he, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I'm going to basically take out four principles here, which I think will guide us and, and lead us this morning in an awesome way. The first thing I wanted to say is... We realize that mercy, the mercy that the mercy that the, um, the, the, the master gave to the servant was not because he'd earned it. It was not out of reward. He gave him mercy because he had compassion on him. He had pity on him. Because of a love inside, that's why he gave it. And sometimes when we read this, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, we think, well, maybe if we, we can earn our forgiveness, and it's not teaching that. But what it is teaching is that, you know, we know that mercy comes from a place that's motivated by the love of God. Um, if we look at this scripture, which talks about God's salvation, uh, from Titus 3.5, it says, Not by works of righteousness, which you have done, but according to his mercy, God saved us. And it's important that when we understand mercy that when we are to give mercy, because we'll see later that we have to give it, the mercy we receive is meant to be given. But it's not given out of, because it's a reward or because it's deserved. It's given out of love. And I think that's very important. Kingdom mercy is love-driven. It's not reward-driven. The second thing I wanted to talk about this morning is that and I've already alluded to it, is the fact that mercy needs to be passed on. We receive the most amazing, incredible mercy from God. I mean, God has just extended to each one of us, no matter what you have done, no matter what your background is, God is willing to forgive you. All you need to do is turn away from your own way and turn to God in faith, and he will receive you as a son which, you know, and a daughter, as a child of God which is incredible. And the thing is that when we as God's people extend mercy to other people, when we extend this incredible mercy that the Father has given to us, people actually 
see God. People in this world, they get a, 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 an idea of, of who God really is. And it's amazing, that is probably one of the best ways to get to know a person, is by seeing someone's characteristics. And when we, as God's people, do not have his characteristics on us, people don't see God as they should. Mercy must also be given freely. It's not up, for up, up to us to decide when it is worth to be given. And that's why I said the first principle I wanted to talk about, the two kind of overlap, so I'm kind of going, jumping back in between the two points. But if we start deciding who, who is deserving of mercy, we'll never give it because no one really deserves it. There's so many broken people in the world, people that are unthinkable. Um, there's many people that actually, if you help them, they will persecute you, they'll take advantage of you. But that's not the point. The point is we've received such a great gift and we need to give it on because we are, we are revealing Jesus, revealing God's character to those around us. The thing is, it's not our creation, it's his. And that is the most amazing thing. I mean, he has chosen to give people mercy and we should be able to pass that on. The other thing that I wanted to say, the next point I wanted to make this morning is that mercy is a hard thing to give when our heart is still bound in debt. Now, one of the things you'll notice about this story, which is missing from the story, imagine you were in excessive debt and you were in debt for 10 million rand. What would be the first thing if someone wrote off your debt? There'd be a massive celebration. There'd be a party. I would invite my friends and, you know, we'd have a party. And what is incredible about this story is there's no party. There's no celebration. It's crazy. If it was, this debt was written off, somehow the guy hadn't realized it. And I think every time we've looked at this parable, and yes, that is one side of the coin. Every time we've looked at it, people always, and as a church, we're very good at always going on about the size of the debt. But we're sometimes not totally good at going on to say, do you realize it's totally written off? Because when we realize that the debt is totally written, written off, it's a party, it's a celebration, and we are happy to give it away. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I don't imagine if, if I had had a debt of 10 million rand and it had been written off and someone asked me, look, could you spare some change? I'll be there. There's 200. Have a nice day. It's easy to give when your debt has totally been written off. And I'm not undermining, it is an incredible debt. But as Christians especially, we need to live from a place of understanding that the debt has been totally written off. Because then when we come before God, we're not worrying about the debt. We can do it with freedom and we can do it from a place of celebration, realizing that there's nothing we could do. But also then we are able to give freely in mercy because it's nothing for us to give. And sometimes it's almost like, it's almost like just to illustrate it a bit more, it's a bit like a hose pipe with, with, with water going through it that God wants to pour his mercy through each one of us. And when we still have that guilt, we were still worried, you know, is the debt totally paid off? 
there's stuff in the pipe and it doesn't come through. And I believe that one of the things God wants to do is he wants to remove, today he wants to remove those stones from the pipe or whatever gunk is in there so his mercy can flow out to the extent that he wants to pour it into this world. The other thing, you know, that we look at and from this story, it's not kind of a point within the story, but it's something I want to speak about is that mercy um, is something that is modeled to us so specifically by Jesus. If you look at Jesus' ministry, if you look through the book of Matthew, it's amazing. Most of the time when he does a healing or a deliverance, the people approach him and they say, Lord, or son of David, or whatever, however they refer to him, please have mercy on us. And that word is used again and again. And Jesus goes to them, and he offers mercy. There were times when Jesus knew that people had idols in their heart, and he would challenge them to, forgive, to give up something, or walk away from something. He knew what was best for them, but his motivation was always mercy. Sometimes, I, just to speak, I know I, I often do a bit of apologetics and I engage with a number of atheists, um, sometimes online and, you know, with friends of mine that I talk to. And one of the accusations that people have about religion is they say, religion has caused more wars than anything else. Has ever, anyone ever heard that? It's a common accusation. But if you actually, first of all, I mean, if you go and look at the you know, the, the 30 biggest conflicts, and you see how many are actually religion-related, you know, it is such a small percentage. But let us take the wars, for example, that were fought in the name of religion. One of the things why I really wanted to speak about this point this morning is that how we see God is so essential, because how we see God is what we will reflect in our life, in our actions, and our belief. If you look at some extremists to a terrorist who see themselves as doing something in the name of God, whether it's persecution or attacking people, they do that because they believe that God is a vengeful God and he wants them to do that. What I always challenge atheists on is I say, people might have done wars in the name of God or religion, but Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And if someone fights a war in the name of religion, they misrepresent Jesus. And the understanding of God is wrong. And that's something that's vital. I want us to work, walk out of here today with an understanding exactly of who God is and what his mercy is like. Because we're going to reflect that in the world. Sometimes what happens is we understand that, okay, you just imagine with me for one section. I wanted to print some numbers, but didn't quite get to it this morning. But imagine this is your low side of the scale. So this is your, like your zero. And on the right side here is your number 10. When we see the stories about Jesus, when we see his amazing compassion and his understanding and his love, we say, okay, wow, God is God's a 10. You know, if there was a 120, he's there. And then we get this concept of judgment where God is perfectly just. And um, maybe what I'll do is I'll quickly, I'll actually quickly read the scripture from Moses. 
Um, sometimes, as I say, the Old Testament appears to kind of be in conflict with the character of Jesus. And we think, is God really, is it the same God? Because it should be in character. And the first time that the Lord appears to Moses, Moses really wants to see God. And we read about this account in Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7. And this is what it said. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So that's the Old Testament. And, you know, we sometimes struggle, I think, with this idea of mercy and this idea of justice. And unfortunately, what happens is we realize, okay, God is perfectly merciful. Jesus, oh, it's amazing. Better be careful. That almost went for a flyer. And then we have God's justice, which God is also perfectly just. So we, we have a struggle to, to make the two kind of combine. So in a, what we end up doing is saying, well, God's merciful, but probably not that merciful. He'll judge you at some point, or he'll sort you out at some point. So what we do, instead of understanding God, we, we move down his mercy a bit, bit more. And we sometimes move it down and we, we see the things. So what we're doing, unfortunately, is we're sitting at a place of half mercy where God's mercy um, is, is, is almost unthinkable for us. It is, you know, you could imagine God's mercy in the greatest possible way and God's mercy is more than that because he is the greatest possible being. And, and we sometimes think, well, how can a being be perfectly just and perfectly merciful at the same time? And the thing is, in our understanding, we can't get it right. But of course, that's where the solution comes in. And the solution is the cross of Jesus. Because the, the cross of Jesus um, combines those two things, that God doesn't have to give up his mercy. He can still protect what is good in every situation, and every, right will be, uh, every wrong will be righted, the justice of God. But yet, in maintaining that, he can still have perfect mercy through the cross of Jesus. That if anyone has messed up, no matter how bad, no matter what he's done, they can still turn to God and say, God, I believe in Jesus, please forgive me. And they will receive that perfect mercy. So I want, you, I want to say this morning that God is 100%, he's perfectly merciful, and he's also perfectly just. And I think it's so important for us to, to understand those two concepts so we can truly um, represent God to the world through our lives. And we know that the reality is a judgment day is coming. And some people, you know, when they pass from this world, that judgment becomes reality. So that's reality. But the perfect mercy comes in through the cross, that God will not turn anyone away, no matter what they've done, how many mistakes they've made, how many times they've messed up, the perfect mercy is always there. We should be like our Father. We really should. And this, this is what Jesus is teaching. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. He's actually talking about a, a, a kingdom principle that those 
those who are giving out mercy, the merciful, who inherently want to help others and give grace to others, they are the ones that are going to get incredible mercy. Obviously, through their obedience, they will get rewards in heaven. And there's a principle of sowing and reaping in this world. But they are people who are really being like their father and, and representing this mercy to the world. And I want to read you, and I, if I could ask um, Brian uh, to come up, um, and I want to read you this, this passage, which I think was awesome, uh, by a lady called uh, Rosemary bon, Bonsley. Um, she's an internet writer and a missionary, and she wrote this beautiful piece, which I think sums up about, about us really following Jesus in these merciful footsteps. And here's what it says. It says, forgiveness is always appropriate for those who have been forgiven by God. It is not something that can be measured or meted out. It is, it is a state of mind. Uh, sorry, I'm going to start again. Forgiveness is always appropriate for those who have been forgiven by God. It is not something that can be measured or meted out. It is a state of mind and heart. It has no limit. It is a way of life. The person who cannot express mercy is still outside the mercy of God. Merciful is what we as sons and daughters of God are because that is who our Father is. I believe that God wants each of us to display his mercy without reserve in this world. And it's not easy to do because we live in a difficult world. People are cutting us off in the traffic. People are stealing things from us. People are stealing our waves at the beach. People are... So I was surfing this week with lots of people, but sorry, just a lighter note, but I, I must bring it back now. But, um, you know, people are doing so many bad things. We try and help people. There's so much need around us. A lot of the time people are misusing the help we give them. And I, I always remember I had one friend who messed up so many times and he messed up again and again and again. And every time I thought, you know, God, this is ridiculous. I'm walking away. Uh, God kept on saying to me, David, did I give up on you? And for me, that is really the heart of God. And I, I'm not saying that times tough love in situations is needed. You know, there's wisdom and we need to ask God for wisdom. But the heart of it has to be mercy. The heart must be mercy because that is who our Father is. I really would like us this morning to be the people that reveal God to the world. And regardless of how we're treated, how badly people respond, whatever the response, it's not up to us. It doesn't matter because our reward is in heaven. But we know that if we just pour out the mercy of God, let Him work through us, then He's going to use that and let Him use it in people's lives to reveal Himself to people. So I just want to ask you, now, if everyone could bow their heads. And I think it's crazy. There's no way that I can speak about mercy this morning and about God's perfect mercy without giving people an opportunity to respond to the cross of Jesus. It's, it's madness. I, I can't do it. You know, I want to obviously pray for everyone to be vessels of mercy, but I also want to give people the opportunity to respond to that. And I want to ask you today that if you are not 
120% certain that your debt against God, that your debt of sin is completely, completely, utterly wiped away. I want you to walk out of here this morning feeling that way and having a party. And God wants that as well, that you can experience the joy of the Lord because you know that He totally paid the penalty for you. So I want to ask if there's anyone here this morning that wants to say, yes, that's me. I want to feel 100% that that debt against God is written off this morning. I want to ask just quickly while no one's watching that you just raise your hand and I'll see it. Thank you, I see this. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And that's the beautiful thing is that God is going to totally remove it away. And he said, if you will turn away from your way and turn to me in faith, that is totally written off and it is perfectly written off. And there's nothing we can do to do it. All we must do is receive the gift from Jesus. So I want to ask that you all pray this with me. And you can just repeat after me and I will pray these words. Father, we thank you that you are just so amazing as God. Thank you that your mercy is perfect. We turn away from our own way and we turn to you. Thank you that you forgive everything we've done wrong. And through the sacrifice of Jesus, everything is forgiven. We receive you as Lord today and our perfect Savior. Okay, awesome. Can we get applause? The thing was, in that story of Matthew 18, he wasn't celebrating, but when someone receives a total written off of debt, there is a celebration and it's in heaven. That's where the party is happening. And we don't always see the party in this life. We, we do see it when we come together, but the party is going to be amazing when we get up there. So that's awesome. But I just want to pray for us all now, just in ending, is I'm just going to pray for us to be amazing vessels of God's mercy. So Father, I just thank you that you are amazing, God. We want to we represent how amazing you are to the world. You are so good. We can't over-exaggerate your goodness, your sovereignty, your power, your justness, God. You're more than we can imagine, hope, dream for. You're incredible. And God, we want to be carriers of your mercy. We want to pour out your mercy and change the world, God. Won't you use us to do this wherever we go? And I pray, God, that in the toughest, harshest, most uh, almost uh, resistant conditions, that your mercy will come out strongest and break down the enemy's walls. In Jesus' name, amen.